morning. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hey, we, you do know we have a 9 a.m. service, so we'd love to invite you to come to that one sometime as well. But next week, we will not. We'll have a 10 a.m. service, one service next week and the following week, January 2nd, because we know you guys are going to have a holy hangover from Christmas and New Year's from celebrating the Lord, right? Celebrating Jesus. Nothing like a holy hangover. That's good. <laughs> well, also, if you have, I don't know what your schedule is this week, but I want to remind you, December 23rd, at our Dream Center, we're going to be giving away 100 Christmas dinners. And so if you know anybody that says, man, they would really be in need of a Christmas dinner this year, we're giving away 100 of those at our Thrive Dream Center, which is former release-free building on North Prairieville. So that's going to be a huge celebration. We're going to start giving them away at 4, but we're going to start setting up around 1 or 2-ish, something like that. So you can meet us there. We're going to smoke uh, enough briskets because we're going to... We're going to give away a portion of a brisket for each dinner, so we're going to smoke enough to give away 100 Christmas dinners this year. Last year, yes, yeah, awesome. Last year, we gave away 50 turkey dinners, and we had so many, so many testimonies from that, how some just didn't have any money to purchase a Christmas dinner, from being able to pray for people in times of need. I mean, just a lot of great stories and testimonies from that, and so we were, like, we were encouraged, let's do 100 this year. So we are. And so uh, if you guys want to be there to enjoy that, we're going to create, do it in such a way where we'll have time to pray with each individual, talk with each individual, just love on them. We'll have bounce houses out there, etc. So it's just going to be a lot of fun. Of course, weather permitting. And we'll be inside if, the way, if it's raining outside. So we will do it either way. And then also, I want you to mark your calendars for our first conference. We've never done this. This is our first, first conference. And we just want to give God the first. Our first, the first that belongs to him. We want to give it away to God. That means we're going all out in passion. We're going to have some powerful worship. We've got some great speakers that are coming through uh, from South Africa. We've got uh, from uh, Illinois, from Dallas, uh, locally. We, we, it's going to be a power-packed th th uh, three days, three nights. Uh, so from 6 to 8 p.m. those nights and um, 8 p.m.-ish. It's always 8 p.m.-ish whenever you're doing a conference like this. The ish is, it could go longer, depending on the wind of the speaker, but, you know, that's what we're here for, to give God our first. So come celebrate us with us in that, rather. And so, uh, again, the next two weekends, 10 a.m. service only. 10 a.m., you good? Show up at, you show up at 9, we'll love it, because we're going to put you to work. <laughs> we're going to do some stuff together. But, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a, a season that we're, we're all in, a season of this Christmas season, a season of longing, right? You're, there's an expectation. There's a little bit of anticipation. Uh, there's a little bit of, of uh, and, and wondering what is this year going to be like. And that has so many mixed emotions inside of it. That we're wondering, what is, what is this year going to come with? You come with this little bit of wonder, a little bit of awe, a little bit of wonder what what's going to happen this year. And, and that, is, that is natural for every holiday season like this, and especially, you know, you're going through Christmas, you go to Halloween, then you go to Thanksgiving, and now, now in Christmas, and then the, the New Year's, and, and there's so much going on. And, and, and I, I just want you to know where, where we're at right now is this, this place of coming out 
of an old thing, an old way. I love, I love the songs they had, the old winds of change, the winds are time, they're changing out of old and into new things. And as Christmas begins to present itself towards the new years, all of a sudden, there's a time for refreshing and a time for renewal, a time for change and a time for, for something different to take place in life. And, and really, if I were gonna describe to you what, what we're about here is just that right there. Because so many of us have, have come out of this place of surely there's more to life than just sitting in a service, singing some songs, and then going away just feeling good about my day. And that's really where Thrive was birthed out of. It, the, this idea that there is more than just sitting in a church service, sitting on a pew. There, there is more to life and it, what we like to call a spiritual journey. And everything that we do here, we feel like has been birthed out of what God is leading us to do so that we can create a safe place for his children, for his children to be able to grow and develop within their giftings and callings. And that's what church really is. It's not coming in and longing for, I, I wish there was more to my life. I'm just being sitting in a pew, I'm being preached at, and then I go home. Is this really what Jesus came for? No. And the answer is... Greg's always got the answer. And so if you're, if you're, if you're one of our guests today and, and, or you've just been kind of filling the waters out, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you even to get on this thing we call it the, the, the spiritual journey and give us a year of your life. And I say this often, and, and the people who actually take me up on this, they look back a year later and say, you're right. You're right. Never has my life been as good as it was throughout this past, this past year and where I'm at right now. And I see people waving their hands in the back right now. That's true, Greg. That's where you say. And so I'm encouraging you, and I mean going all out in the next steps that God has designed for each and every one of us. We just grabbed a hold of those by experience and said, you know what? These are next steps, and these are things that God has used to bless us and to raise us into higher standards that he blesses, not religion, not legalism, far from it, but relationship with a commitment to obedience that says, if that's where God is leading me and that's what his word says, then he's going to bless that. And I may not be able to understand it right now, but the more I begin to walk in it, he begins to open up some things. And that's the spiritual journey that God has all created all of us and the whole purpose of Christmas right there. And what we realize is that our goal is not to make another service but to make environments that actually draw you in and create space for God to do a work in your life. And when God shows up, when we gather together, Psalms 22, 3 actually, and we sang the song, you are holy enthroned in the praises of your people. He, when we praise him, when we come together, when we gather together, God comes and he gathers with us. When we come in and we, we've set the platform, the place, an environment, and we, we're praising, you do know that when Martin set up, builds all these lights, Martin Elvick, and then Christian comes in and he sets up these lights, that's praise. They're using their giftings and their talents to bring praise to God. When, when the team is, is working on the verses, on the graphics, on the songs, on, on the preparation, that's praise unto God. And you know some people complain about the praises of other people that give to God? It's an expression of a different manner than we may have not otherwise. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Next time, come up here. and <laughs> Speaking of expressions. 
the light of the world. <laughs> there you go. Can you? <laughs> this has been the most unique Christmas ever. <laughs> Where are your eyes anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you are holy, enthroned in the praises, the praises of men. So when we gather together and we gather in his name and, and we all have these expressions of our praises outside of that last expression, and God is enthroned and he gathers as we gather, and when, we, when he's gathering with us, we come in with these questions, with these curiosities, with these doubts, with these concerns, these longing in our hearts as we were talking, these anticipations, some of the, the wounds, some of the confusions about which way do I go from here, what are my next steps, if New Year's is coming and I don't want New Year's to be like ne next year, last year, what do I do? When we come in and we praise him and we are gathering, he gathers and he begins to answer those questions in the, in the deepest and darkest places of our soul and he's answering all of our questions at the same time if we'll so let him. And then all of a sudden we walk away and it's like, yep, yeah, that's, that, that's what I need to do. That's the way. That's the direction I need to take. And all of a sudden, there's an internal knowing, and all I did was come in, and I praised him, we enthroned him, and we gathered together, and he gathered with us. Now, he's omnipresent, he's always with us, but there's something uniquely different that happens in those settings. He makes himself known, as we would say, and he just shows up, and there's this special thing that you start to feel like, hmm, I feel the presence of God. I feel different now than when I did when I first came in here. There's something different. And you may not have come to know spiritually what that something is, but that's the presence of God showing up in your life in a real way. And you're experiencing now the whole journey, this spiritual journey that God has us on. And the longing is and the questions are, well, what do I do next? And if we just begin to take him at that word, he begins to reveal the very next things. And it seems like the world is experiencing right now, which makes this as a challenge, more darkness than ever. And I think many might agree coming out of the last 22, 23 months. And I think we can look back and see the emergence of this darkness and its effect on the people. Very heavy. Very heavy. If you were in my position on in a role like this, or maybe even your friends and families, you can feel the heaviness that they're carrying that doesn't look like who they used to be or how they used to behave or how they used to handle situations. It, it just looks different. And it can be discouraging. But when you have those experiences, the experience in a gathering like this, and all of a sudden God enters in and he begins to bring something different in your emotions in your heart, in your thinking even. Why do I feel this way? All of a sudden, I'm thinking this way. He's putting hope in the middle of uncertainty. And I'm telling you, that is exactly why we chose to bring you the light of the world this Christmas. Because we all need a little bit of hope in the midst of the uncertainty. 
And it's amazing. It's amazing what just a little bit of light, a little bit of light can do in a dark space. You know, last night even, I was putting my kids to bed. Right now, they sleep in the same bed, in the bunk bed up top. And there's a little bitty light. It's a unicorn light, and it, it, it was red, and so it just doesn't put out much light. I said, I, I said, Naomi, is this enough light? She said, no, but I have a light. She goes under her pillow, and she reads, has this little bitty candle, battery-operated candle light, and it's got a snowflake connected to it. And she puts it on the corner of her bed, and she goes, here, this is enough light. And it's amazing how that little light can run off all the monsters in the room, right? And if we were going to be honest, how many adults still have a little nightlight in your, in your room? No, no, be honest. Everybody's like, no. Hey, yeah, thank you. And I, and I still have a little nightlight in our room, and it has this little infusion thing going on. But the reason I like the light being on is because I'm 45, and I have to get up at night and then to go to the different story, different purposes, different reasons. But at the end of my hall, at the, at the beginning of my, my room where we, the door, the hallway leading to, under the plug, we, in the little plug cover, there's a little bit of lights that are there. And I put those in there so if my, my children were ever afraid and walking through the opposite side of the house in the dark room, they know they can, they can walk towards that light. And when they get close, they know they're getting near their daddy and their daddy's going to take care of them. And that's exactly what God the Father did for all of us. He brought us a light, and the major theme of the Bible is lightness, light and darkness. So he put this light on earth so that if we so choose to walk towards it, oh, our daddy's going to take care of us. No matter what our situation, no matter what our hurts, no matter what our wounds, no matter what our, what our experiences in the past, the more we just walk towards that light, the more daddy just starts to heal. God has a way of introducing this thought in his scriptures that once that thought turns into words from him, it creates something that creates something that creates something. And this, this topic, this uh, principle is actually called the law of, of, first, uh, of first mention. It's a biblical study principle and you'll hear it and, and, and it's, and its principle and its definition of the principle that when God speaks something, when he first speaks it, it speaks in, he speaks it in his, its purest form. Let me break this down a little bit. Because if that's true, then we see some things in Genesis that last throughout this whole, what we said, the, the Bible being about darkness and light. We see him beginning a topic in Genesis that he carries on through eternity even now. And I'm going to read that, and then we'll go into its explanation later. Genesis 1-1-3 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And let's keep looking at this, this thought and see what else God does with it. Because here's another space. Here's the whole reason that we have Christmas right here. And it shows up in John 12 yet again to define a little bit. I have come as light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. That's the Christmas story, right? That's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. That we're, we're gathering here today to celebrate is that Jesus has come as a light in our dark world. 
That's it. That, that's the whole reason we gather together. Jesus says, because, it was because I was, motivate, I was motivated by the darkness in your world, I showed up to bring a light. I didn't come as a baby in a manger. I came to change your world by bringing light into your darkness. That right there is why we celebrate Christmas. It's the coming birth of a king, the light of this world, not a baby in a manger, however it started there. But the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because the light of the world has come in to my darkness and to your darkness. And if you ever wondered why we celebrate Christmas in this season, this specific season, it was, it was decided that Christmas would be celebrated in the darkest season of the earth. This is called the winter solstice. Two days from now, you're going to experience the, the shortest day and the longest night. And I actually learned after last message that it lasts three days. There's three days, the three darkest days, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, is a picture of the, resurrect, the, the death, burial, and resurrection. All of a sudden, the days start to get longer leading up to Christmas. The winter solstice. And it, it's, it's there for this. What, what Christmas is all about is that Jesus saw this darkness and he came to be light in our dark world. And, and today I'm going to share with you the Christmas story. But I'm going to share with you about, there's four gospels. I'm going to share with you a Christmas story you've probably never heard. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the gospels in the New Testament. Matthew and Luke talk about the birth of Jesus. Mark and John look to appear, appear to start in the, in the adult phase of Jesus, the adult season of Jesus' life. However, in John, I would stand corrected that John actually does with, begin with the Christmas story. Look at this in John 1, 1, 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that, what, that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, it may not come with angels and shepherds and camels, but that right there is the story of Christmas. It may not talk about the birth of Jesus but it talks about the significance of the birth of Jesus. Are you following me? It talks about the whole reason that there was a baby in a manger. It talks about the whole beginning, the purpose, the reason that Jesus even showed up on the scene even now. Jesus shows up in our darkest moments, and the sin we carry in our life causes these dark moments, this darkness that, as Scripture says, cannot comprehend what the light can do. This may be intentional sin. This may be unintentional sin. This may be things because we don't understand God in, in our spiritual journey. We've yet to understand some of the light that Jesus has to bring into our dark world. But on the side of not having explored all that we are in Christ and all that he has for us, there's darkness that cannot comprehend what the light wants to do until we begin to walk in the light and we have the aha moment of, oh, that's what was holding me back. Now, that, that's a sin phase. That's one thing. But then there's another one that's the darkness of despair. 
And when I'm in despair, it's hard for me to truly understand what Jesus can do for me, what the light can do for me, because I'm so bound in the darkness and the loss and the hurt and in the, in the, in the anger and the grief and the depression in the wounds, the emotional wounds, I'm stuck there. And so it's hard for my darkness to comprehend what Jesus can really do for me in my situation. And so I struggle. And Jesus shows up in our darkest moments to change our lives. I, I didn't realize, but I was at, I'm actually going through a dark moment. This past Monday, I, I had to I faced something I realized I was avoiding, but I didn't know I was avoiding because I was in my darkness. And I go in, and I'm, I go to see my grandmother because I hear she's not doing well. And I knew she's been in a nursing home, and she's back in another home with a, a, a helpers that are watching her around the clock. But she had fallen, and I didn't know the severity. I go to see her Monday, and she can't even wake up. And my, my listen, I get my spunk and my rowdiness from my grandmother because she's got a lot of fire to her. And I go to a meeting at lunch, and then I come back to see her because I hear she's alert, and I go, and I'm sitting there talking to her and trying. I'm sitting there talking to her, grabbing her hand, and I know she's grabbing my hand, and she's doing all she can to try to talk, but... It's just not coming out. And I'm sitting here, I start to cry a little bit, and, and I can see a, even a sadness on her face. Like it's starting to register a little bit that somebody in front of her is sad, but she's not quite sure who that person is yet. And I, and I feel like along the way, the more I talked about old people's scenarios, experiences, and things that she did for me, and did with me, and... I felt like it started to somewhat register. She grabbed my hand and rubbed my hand, and, and, I, and I go away from that trying to be as strong as I can, and, and I walk out and just tears just start falling, and, and I just start going. But I felt this weightiness, this heaviness. I felt like I just haven't had life all week long. Wednesday night, uh, about 1 a.m., Thursday, I wake up and I said, Lord, what's, what's going on? I just feel like my soul is sunk. And he says, you're grieving. I says, okay. And he says, you're sad. Yeah, now, now I, I, can just, I, I can see that. Like, I'm not, like, that's not me. Like, that's not my inclination. I'm, I'm let, let's take the mountain and let's take the next mountain. And while we're on that mountaintop, let's look for another mountain to top. Like, I don't spend time there. And so it, it doesn't register for me whenever I'm going through something like that because that's not me. But when the Lord says it, and he begins to speak it, and, and he identifies the emotion that I'm dealing with and the struggles and the understanding, it, I start, it starts to make sense. And so I get up, and I go to version and I search grief. And every Bible verse, and there's a lot, by the way, that say grief in them, I'm reading every one. And the more I begin to read them and take them on as here's what God is speaking to my situation the more the light of the world began to penetrate the darkness of my soul. Now, it didn't change my situation. My grandmother's still in this. She's probably in the last month of her life. I still have a weightiness, a heaviness, but I have light in the midst of the darkness 
that guides me through the situation that I'm going through. There's light because I owned it. I agreed with him. And I began to understand what, find out, search out what his word says about my current situation so that I, I could agree more with the light than I do with the darkness that I don't understand. And I start to comprehend the little things that I'm going through. And maybe you're experiencing a dark moment in your life right now, in your marriage, in your relationships, in, in your business, in your finances, in your health, with your kids. Maybe here's a big one in your emotions. Because another thing that I discovered and God reminded me, Nathan, you, you preach this, is that when we don't sit down and rest a little bit and begin to address the things that are going on with our emotions, with our soul, and begin to really start to diagnose what, it, what is it that I'm feeling? Why am I feeling this way? God, what is going on with me? What do you want to talk with me about? And if I, don't, if I leave those things undiagnosed, then those things turned into frustrations. Because I, there's something different about me, and I don't know what it is. And our inclination is begin to fill that time and that space, that empty void with other things to do. And this is where we just become busy. And we're trying to not address what's going on right here. And so we just start busy work doing other things. And sometimes that leads into to a different type of darkness. Because I need to cover up something that I don't understand that's going on inside of me. And when that frustration goes unresolved, it turns into anger. And the clinical definition of anger turned inward, of depression, is anger turned inwards. I'm depressed because I haven't diagnosed what's going on right here and right here. And I've agreed with the darkness because it's been so much time. But from the time I started feeling this way, this season of undiagnosed, all of a sudden it's become my world. And I'm agreeing more with darkness than I am with light because I haven't addressed, I haven't rested, I haven't allowed God to be really speak into my soul, and now depression has become a way of life for me. But Jesus. And so there's, in this dark place, there's a bunch of mixed emotions, and there's no hashtags to explain them. There, there's no mood emojis that I can put on Facebook to tell you how I'm feeling. Because I can't discern, diagnose, and address what it is I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way. And I believe the worst darkness there is is called spiritual darkness. And this is when you're doing the same thing that everyone else is doing, which is sin, but you're still carrying it. You know, some of us sin, and, and I do as much as anyone else my sin, as soon as I'm over something, I realize I'm sinning in another area. And, and, and as soon as I'm over that, I realize I'm sinning in another area. And your sin may be different from my sin. But I have someone to go to with my sin. And not only does he forgive me, but he cleanses me. And spiritual darkness, I believe the worst thing is when a, people don't, a person doesn't have someone to go to or they don't realize they have someone that they can take the deepest, darkest sins so that they can be forgiven and they can be cleansed. And so what ends up happening is we're carrying the weight of the guilt 
and the shame and the internal condemnation because we're carrying the darkness of our own sins. And it gets heavy. It never was for us to, to carry. And there's another story in the Bible that will give you some, some help in this area. And it's, called, it's, it's when the woman was caught in adultery. It's in John 8, 8. Woman caught in adultery. There, the religious people brought her out, said, Hey, Jesus, what are you going to do now? She was just caught sleeping around in adultery. And they know, they're, they're thinking, I, we got him now. We're going to put Jesus on blast in front of everybody. They're going to see what's really in his heart. And he does this famous thing. Because they're thinking, if he lets her go, well, then he's breaking the law. Now we got him. But if, she, if he sentences her, then he has to sentence her to death because that's according to the law. And Jesus turns in and he says, well, whoever is without sin, then you be the first to throw the stone. And sometimes the religiosity inside of us, when we see wrong, we want to come and bring condemnation to the individual. And Jesus is like, well, as soon as you're without sin, you go ahead. But Jesus said, instead, they all begin to walk away after this. He grabs her and he says, where, woman, where are your accusers? She looks up. She said, I have none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Now go and live a life away from this sin. He says, look, come follow me and let me show you another way to do life and you don't have to stay in that darkness. In the darkest time of her life, Jesus shows up. The light of the world shows up and changes everything. In her mind, she knows the law. And so does everybody around. But he gave another way, another option, another idea to live this life out from this day forward. And that was in John 8, 8 through 8, 11. And then immediately Jesus turns around in John 8, 12, and he says this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. And he's saying that woman was in darkness but I just showed you a living example that even though in your darkest moments and you think it's sudden death or never, nothing is ever going to work out for you, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. And when you're in that dark moment, that dark season of life, maybe despair and, and your emotions are all messed up and the light of life begins to give you foundation on the truth of his word, and all of a sudden you own that instead of the feelings of your darkness and the, the, the memories and the, the experiences and everything that you want to latch on to to prove yourself right for being upset. The light of the world comes in and gives you another way out. Amen. Hallelujah. See what I did in her, he says, I have light for your emotions. I have light for your depression. I will bear your grief. Oh, I can heal your marriage if you'll allow it. I can bless your finances if you'll allow it. I can even save your children if you'll allow it. Amen. See what I did in her? 
I have light for your whole world. And that's how it was for me. In the darkest moment of my life, following a 10-year, literal 10-year of rebellion, after my grandfather passed away, I didn't have the answers. I had a lot of hurts and a lot of broken emotions and a lot of wounds, and I didn't have the light of the world. I didn't have the answers. So after 10 years, when every, the world I had built and all the idols that I had in my life came crumbling down, I found myself at my grandmother's lake house in her livery in the living room, and I'm there broken and crying, and she says, Nathan, are you ready to let Jesus into your heart? And that day, I gave my life to the Lord. And I wish I could say, man, from there on, it was just easy. <laughs> but I had stuff that I had to face. I had stuff that I had done. I had stuff, I had people that I had hurt. But I can tell you this, the more I said yes to the light of the world, in obedience to the next steps that God was leading me to do according to his word, he gave me a way through that stuff, those situations, and even finding forgiveness from the people I had hurt so that he could bring me into his marvelous light. And it's still a work in progress. But the more I just said yes, agreeing with his word and listening to his voice, and just doing the tough stuff, because let me tell you, it's, it's not always, it's rarely easy. Because darkness can't comprehend it. Uh -uh. That's why we struggle so much with listening to the voice of the Lord, because the darkness within can't comprehend where the light is taking us. That's really good. And Jesus shifts gears after this. He gives a, an amazing uh, speech called the Beatitudes. And after this, in, in Matthew 5, he shifts everything. Remember, he's the light of the world. He shifts it. I, I've been modeling this thing. I just told you about the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you walk in these ways. Not just because you believe in me, but when you walk in these ways. And then he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, come on. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. <laughs> I let my light so shine. And he said, no, I'm going to put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. So, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they, see, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you get it? Yeah. If the light, I'm the light, and you, if you have the light, if I am in you, then you can't help but to let your good works, the light that's inside of you, the more you're following the light, the more it shines out of you and others see the good works. And because of what they see in you, they're glorifying the Father and saying, they must be saved. They must know Jesus. They have some answers that I don't have and maybe they can help me in the darkness of my situations. Mm. 
So it may be important for us to lean into the light of what God is teaching us, telling us, and speaking. The the things that may seem a little bit difficult because the darkness can't comprehend it on this side, but once we start to walk in it and the light that we're walking in begins to radiate through us, and people start to see that, and they start to wonder, maybe there is a God. Because the, the times that we're in, they need a people who are willing to do the tough stuff, the hard things. The stuff that God actually says in his word that if we'll do it, then the light of humanity, of of the world, will shine through us into the culture around us. And then people in droves come to the Father. Remember the hallway? Oh, there's, there's a light in my hallway leading to my door because when my kids come to that, hall, that, that light, they know daddy's close. And when the life of men and women who are hurting see the light in you, they know that the dad, our daddy can help them too. And God has put you on earth to be an example, to lead others to him. But what's inside of you will shine out. Because if it's darkness, because I'm not willing to address the issues and the hurts, I'm not willing to settle down a little bit and spend time with my father and listening, listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to walk me through my hurts, to heal me and cleanse me from my sins, then that same darkness is going to penetrate through the world around me. Because I, I have to let there be light, in Genesis says. I've got to let there be light. Because if I'm not dealing with some of those things, I'm angry on the inside. I'm frustrated. Like I want to choke somebody and I don't even know why I want to choke them. I love the person I want to choke. For some reason, I just want to choke them. You may not be admitting out loud, but it's in your mind. But you have to let it. You have to let it. This little word right here in the dictionary, it means to permit to enter. Because he can be right there the whole time. But you're not permitting the light to enter into your despair, into your struggle, into your stronghold that you think nobody knows about. The Lord knows. And that's what matters. And we get frustrated with our own sin. We don't know we have a place to go. And it starts to exhibit into the lives of others whom we love. All you have to do is get out of the darkness and permit him to enter in. And this year, don't celebrate Christmas, experience Christmas. Don't don't read about the the stable, experience the significance of Jesus' birth, the light of the world. And three years after my grandmother led me to the light of the world, I'm in the same lake house and I'm, 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 I'm staying the night because I'm on this spiritual journey. I feel like the Lord is telling me to go to a certain place and spend time with him and, and fast and, and, and journal and read and be in his word. And on that journey, in that same lake house, I'm sleeping and in my dream, I'm dreaming and, and I... And I have a dream, and I, I wake up. My, my, in the dream, my grandmother is, is at the bed praying over me in her prayer language. And I wake up, not literally woke up, but in the dream, I say, Grandmother, what are you doing? I say, Actually, Grandma, what are you doing? 
She said, I'm, I'm praying for your pastoral, pastoral obedience. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not telling her that. That's not my... But God used her in that moment to call me to get my attention. Now, I wish I could say, boy, I just started walking in it right then. But there was light that I had to let in so the darkness could be expelled so that I could begin to comprehend what God is really wanting to do and how he was going to get there. But the only way to do it is to get connected and plugged in to the source. See, I can, I can easily, I can very easily be in here in this room and I'm in here and I'm enjoying the fruit of the labor of what everybody else is doing. And here I am celebrating and carrying on. Oh, I love it that Carly makes all that coffee. Boy, I love that, that hospitality team. And I'm here. I'm around everybody else that's truly praising God and worshiping God and giving their whole heart. And I'm in this environment, and it's a safe place. I love the way I feel about it. But my life can be in darkness and despair. Like, I got no light. Like, the power is right here. I, I'm in the midst of it. But I feel lifeless. Because the light is the life of man. Until I get plugged in. And I get connected to what God is actually doing. That's the one that was broken last time. <laughs> the wrong source. But once I actually get plugged in and the source of power, then all of a sudden life starts to look a little bit different. So I can be all around. It's shining on me. But it's not shining in me. And I can fake it for a little while. I can get that Christianese going. I can look like people I've been spending time with on Sundays and maybe some other days, maybe a tribe. Or, but until it starts to get inside of me and the darkness starts to come out, which I couldn't beforehand under comprehend what the light was wanting to do, when I begin to get on that spiritual journey and I do the hard stuff, I realize it really wasn't that hard after all. It's actually harder to stay in the darkness and in the sin and in the despair than it is to walk in its marvelous light. Can I just pray for you this morning before we worship? Just ask the Holy Spirit. I want to ask, ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying to you? What is the source of life saying to you right now, right here in this moment? Because you came in here in despair some sin thing, thoughts you've been carrying. And I think you realize that he's saying, come alongside. Find forgiveness. Find cleansing. And let me show you another way to handle that situation. Father, right now, I just pray for a peace that surpasses understanding. I pray for a faith and obedience that moves your people to just say yes to things it can't comprehend they can't comprehend in this side of the struggle. Lord, I pray for that revelation of your goodness, 
the fact that you are with us and that it's more than a story of a baby in a manger, but you truly, the Christmas story truly is so that there may be light that penetrates the darkness of our situation so that we, in turn, in our gratefulness, our humility, our thankfulness, our obedience, begin to expel that same light to all of mankind who, too, is in darkness of despair in their situations. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I love you guys.